Welcome to Solo But Not Alone. I'm Alice Carlton, founder of True Intent, professional coach and change agent. I'm here at Smile Radio here in New York City. I will be speaking with early stage solo creative entrepreneurs, finding out how they got started, what it's been like to get something off the ground, lessons, insights, relationships that have made the difference, and really getting to know my guests' stories. My guest today is Amanda Huffingham, user experience designer and entrepreneur. Amanda is based here in New York, where she lives in Brooklyn with her husband and two young children. She's a graduate of Parsons School of Design, has over 10 years experience as a UX design professional, freelancer, and entrepreneur. Today in my conversation with Amanda, we will be talking about the challenges of being a design student, paying her dues as an intern, navigating early decisions, and successfully building a career as a designer. She will also be sharing her story and her experience as a busy Brooklyn mom, aligning her values with her work, managing time, and of course, the relationships that that have made the difference along the way. So glad to have you today, Amanda, and I'm really excited about our conversation ahead. I'd love to jump in and ask you to first share about yourself, who you are, and a little bit about what you do. I am a user experience designer, and I am a mom of two young kids, uh, three and one, and right now, just really learning how to thrive as a mom, and that's definitely intersected with my design interest. I went to design school. I initially thought I wanted to be a fashion designer, but um, quickly learned I cared more about users and their needs, so went into product design, so industrial design for physical products, and from there really began to love a design process that is user-centered and starts with a human need. I'd love to hear about when you were growing up, when you first knew that you were interested in design and becoming a designer. I remember I won the most creative award in my pre-k class congratulations (laughs) so my family began to think of me as the artistic one or the creative one i think just always having a big imagination and creating a lot as a child definitely plays into where i am now and i care a lot about knowing holistically about systems and I think that is also very creative for me in terms of wanting to know fully about a system and incorporate that into the designed outcome. So I think my learning style as a child relates to the way I design now. How did your parents or family support you in exploring that? Since I grew up in South Georgia Throughout middle school and high school, there was much more of an emphasis on football and sports, and I was the only art kid in my middle school and high school. I went out of my way a lot to figure out how to get into these portfolio pre-programs that were leading design students around the country to get into the top design schools. So for me, being in South Georgia, that meant traveling to Atlanta for portfolio days, doing a pre college program at Parsons focused on design. So always learning about contests and working solo, but with my art teacher on those endeavors, probably starting when I was 14. And then I actually learned of Parsons, which is where I went to design school from 
one of my teachers who was from the Northeast who told me I should look into this fashion school on Fifth Avenue in New York that starts with a P, and he didn't know the name of it, but I used that information to find Parsons, and he said that as a result of me wearing my own sewn clothes to school every day. I love the grassroots encouragement. What were some challenges in middle school, high school? Any challenges around confidence? Any challenges around what you wanted to do next? Yeah, because I was always the best and only art student in a small town. I definitely faced some challenges in terms of showing up at a portfolio day in Atlanta where suddenly everyone else had all these incredible figure drawings and I'd never drawn in front of a live figure before. So just things like that kind of went from being a big fish in a small pond to small fish in a I big pond. You. So I think that was definitely a process and taught me a lot. It's always having an attitude of learning and wanting to improve. For instance, in high school, starting behind everyone else on a national scale in terms of my skills, but through college, I saw I got past a lot of those folks who were maybe more stagnant in their thinking about where they were going. Thanks for sharing that. I appreciate that. When you heard about Parsons, share more about that time as far as applying for schools and what was that like? So, yeah, so actually applying for colleges was pretty challenging for me just because in terms of a guidance counselor for a design school, I really didn't have that at all. So I didn't really know, other than reading online, what were the different kinds of pieces that needed to be shown in a portfolio that really what they care about is the foundation, the basics, and from there you build. So whereas I thought I wanted to do fashion, so I was more focused on making clothes, my process did require a lot of tenacity because just felt like I was always going on paths based on my own assumptions and no one was really correcting me. So I kind of learned the hard way (laughs) a few times. And I didn't get into many design schools. Parsons and one other may have been the only ones. And I applied to all the big ones, like Rhode Island School of Design. It sounds like you were relying a lot on your own judgment. Right. So once you were in school, was there any teachers, mentors, students that were instrumental in your experience? In foundation year, the thing I excelled the most at was 3D, so building things. I knew I really liked designing things for children, so I had one professor who encouraged me to pursue toy design. And that was fortuitous, but didn't necessarily bring me to the expected outcome. Initially, I was interested in building things from more of a sculptural perspective. Because that professor led me to go into product design, once I was actually in the product design program, it is where I learned about the process behind product design. It is a human-centered process and caring about people and it's a really wonderful thing to think about what people need and to be able to do that as a designer. That's the thing that I latched on to that has really carried through my career as the driving force in everything I do. When you were in the second half of your time at Parsons, what if any professional development or career guidance happened in that time? Because Parsons is a design school in New York City, there's a greater chance that your professors are working professionals. The guest critique process at the end of every project I worked on 
our professor who's a designer would also bring in designers from various agencies or corporations. So having their input from a real world perspective was really helpful. Another thing that really helped me was just in the product design process, I took everything the professors told me to do very seriously and verbatim did what I was asked to do. And at the time, I think a lot of other students were more judgmental or maybe thought they were beyond some of these tasks or were a little bit rebellious toward what they were asked to do. But I think because I was so honest in my response, it really taught me a lot that brought me to where I am today. I can give an example, which is I was asked to design a product for dogs and I wound up designing a dog harness for dogs that have back issues. And I took it very seriously and actually spent a week in dog parks asking to try my harnesses on dogs in Union Square. And I got bit a few times, but I think that level of honesty toward my work taught me a lot. I love that. I've had a similar experience where there was times where I was a student or early on in a career that I was really enthusiastic about. And I have found that when you do good with something small, good comes of that. I too had like a huh? When I would see other students spending so much energy resisting what I knew was being asked for a reason. If you're resisting now, it's only going to get harder. Right. I totally agree. So when you were starting to look at next steps coming out of design school, what was your experience? How did that go for you? I don't even know now what the perfect answer is in terms of how to prepare someone from college to trying to do real world work in design. The greatest challenge for me was this response of your portfolio looks great, but you don't have any experience. And my response being, well, I'll never have experience (laughs) unless someone gives me a chance. So I think that actually took a lot and was much more of a challenge than I expected. I probably spent a year just applying for so many jobs every day, really, and just a lot of rejection. And from there, that's when I really had to adapt Part of the reason I was having an issue getting a job is a lot of the roles that fit my junior level wanted someone to just go in and kind of in CAD design the product in uh, Rhino or whatever the software was. And what I had loved about school and what I wanted to do was to work with this human-driven process and do research and ideate and strategize But that wasn't really the work of someone at my level at the time. When I realized that that's what was happening, that's when I thought to myself, either I have to give up the process and just do the work required for the end product, so the technical work, or I can give up the end product and hold my process. And that's when I chose to switch industries and work with an industry that used the human-driven process in a profitable way. Like, it was integral to the successful outcome of the product. So that's when I started doing user experience design. So combined with making that shift, did someone give you a break? Was there a company or someone who gave you a shot? So actually, not really. I had to humble myself to take another internship. Once I realized the landscape and what I was dealing with, 
and that I did at that point need to switch industries from physical products and industrial design to digital user experience. I realized with that shift, I now had another hurdle, which is I didn't graduate with the same degree that other candidates for this field. So because of that, I just realized probably the best entry point was an internship. Got it. So that's what I did. When you think about a few years in, what were some of the things that you learned and also what were some of the relationships that really have stayed with you as far as making a difference in that time in your career? Sure. So with my first user experience job, which was an internship with a small startup, there again, I was kind of in a situation where I was reading a lot of books. So for instance, learning to design user flows. So thinking of all the different paths to complete necessary tasks in a digital product. No one really taught me how to do that initially. I just literally read books and tried to find examples online and then tried to do it. Because it was a startup, there weren't really mentors who had that much time for me every day. And there were some tough moments of my boss not reviewing my work and then later telling me that it was inaccurate. So I think in that role, lack of mentors, but even growing through that process. From there, my big job was joining Estee Lauder. That was really good for my career and so many learning experiences in terms of being at a large corporation and seeing so many different departments try to come to an agreement and working with their external agencies on products. So that's a little bit of my early career. I'd love to hear about when you first realized that you have an entrepreneurial spirit. So I actually do specifically remember the moment where I thought, I might have an entrepreneurial spirit. I was in college and I was interning for a solar cell company called Sustainably Minded Interactive Technology. And it was these two men who graduated from Pratt and they'd won some awards and were in this Pratt incubator working on this product that had been part of a really important exhibit at MoMA. So they had some publicity from that. And what I liked about that is it was tangible for me to think about becoming an entrepreneur. And they would give me assignments that I didn't even really understand. And I just go figure it out. For instance, what are the building codes around putting solar cells on the outside of buildings in New York City? And I just went down rabbit holes until I figured it out. Something about that wide open problem solving, I do well driving in environments like that. I think another thing, it really bothers me when I see people doing things that they have a lot of integrity toward and really care about when I'm not doing something that I care about. So for instance, if I'm interviewing for a startup role, and someone who's interviewing me is so excited about the problem they're solving, and it's a valid problem to solve, but I also have problems I wanna solve, and I'd rather work on the problems I wanna <laughs> solve than the problems you wanna solve. So, and that might not sound positive, but it is actually a driving force for me, almost the fear of missing out on solving the problems I care about. If I understand correctly, that there's this strong drive to both care about what you're doing and also do what you care about. Yes. I'd love to hear a little more about that. 
that is the crux of it. And well, to take one step back, the digital space is a profitable industry for a designer. For the majority of my career until now, I've definitely got caught up in, well, my hourly rate is good. I feel good about my salary. And as long as the work keeps me occupied and allows me to use my brain, it's fine. But having kids was the big shift for me and realizing that I can't just go to work for the sake of going to work. Of course, I have to put food on the table, but that really was where the shift happened for me in terms of I need to care about what I'm doing at work beyond making money. How has it been regarding working contract, entrepreneurial? How has that gone in the last few years? The point that I really realized I needed to shift from solely focusing on working for other people to begin considering working for myself, doing something I really care about happened last year, middle of the year. And how that relates to my contracts is since last year, I've not been a permanent freelancer, but have taken time away from contracts to spend time working on what I care about. So that's where our relationship really kicked off. We've known each other in a few different realms, but we started working together and I'd love to hear just a little bit about your experience of reaching out for coaching and what that experience has been for you. Yes, so I knew you were a coach and wanted to reach out to you. I had so many different ideas related to um, sustainability and the environment, waste, making things. So related to kids and health and wellness, I felt like I needed to be further along to reach out to you. But our first session, we did begin working together when I was kind of a mess in terms of having ideas all over the place. And it's interesting because your process utilizes activities around vision and mission, for instance, that I see in hindsight were so foundational for me in terms of getting to a place with a single project that very strongly maps to my values. The biggest thing for me was going from me frantically thinking, I have to utilize my time wisely, I have kids, I'm working on this thing today and this thing tomorrow, and your process of taking a step back and really considering my values and how to map that to a project that I really care about. And I have to say that is so powerful for me as someone who's really skeptical. I'm very willing to second guess something that I'm working on and consider like, is this worth my time? Should I do this? And it's easy for me to hop onto another train. But I think because of the foundational work we did, I feel so sound in the project I chose as a result of all our strategic work. Thank you for sharing that. Again, with regard to relationships, what have been some of the instrumental relationships in your life right now? Uh, I think related to that, one of the things I do love about having gone to design school is the process of design critiques and this process of learning how to share work and receive feedback on work. And that's something I learned in an academic setting, but has carried through with me to today and that I use with a lot of design friends from my product design graduating class, friends who work in fashion, friends who are in tech, 
maintaining that um, friendship with different designers and being able to bounce ideas off of designers. And even recently with my health project, one of my friends who's now designing strollers, but he's a very healthy guy, and we've been friends for a while. And I went to his office two weeks ago and showed my work to him, and he gave me feedback. So that's been really important for me lately. What are some of the lessons that you've learned overall? So I currently contract with a small digital agency, and we work mainly on insurance products. I think you learn to be scrappy in a really good way working with an agency because in a more corporate environment like Estee Lauder, thinking about a design process, you spend all this time doing all these steps so that business stakeholders feel like everything that they need is being done and it's very diplomatic in a sense of make sure everyone's pleased all along the way. But in an agency, you never have enough money or enough time. So you, you have to constantly ask the hard questions and pivot your process based on the end result that you need to achieve. For a while, I had three directors who all had around 20 years of experience and just watching the way they reacted to clients and the problems we were trying to solve really helped me because it taught me to use a process kind of as needed in a sense of, I'm not gonna make a hundred sketches for the sake of having them. We're only gonna do this if it needs to be done. Another thing is just being a human about how you're talking about your work. There's this formality for no real reason. We're both here to solve this problem. We're here for a practical reason and let's just do it as best we can because we both want this greater outcome. Having that attitude in my interactions with people for my own project, in my contract roles, in any situation where you're trying to create something together. What have you learned about yourself in your travels? One thing that I've learned is how to deal with what a perfectionist I am and this process of working with you and transitioning to a project that I own. A lesson there is just going to bed at night and creating rhythms that work for me and not getting so hung up on things that could sidetrack me. So a few things there are, uh, for instance, since I'm on my own schedule and being a mom, basically being a mom could rule all my time. Even if the kids are with childcare, planning their activities, cleaning the house, all these things can rule my day. So I think one thing there is limiting myself to an hour in the morning to get those things done and not letting my to-do list for the family rule my week is something that I've learned is really important. And another thing is with the kind of design problem-solving process, one thing that's really helped me is moving around. So realizing that I don't have to be sitting in front of white paper with a pen to solve a problem, but giving myself the liberty to go for a run and think through something. So that's really helpful. And also showing work to people. That's been a challenge for me from a communication standpoint because I tend to think a lot and there's so much I want to say, but I also realize now the value of showing work in progress to people. So learning how to explain to someone, this is a prototype, it's not finished, but I know I need feedback. So communicating through the process 
has been a challenge, but also a positive for me because showing work in progress gets you unstuck. That's a huge step for a perfectionist, right? (laughs) To actually let someone in before it's finished. I love that. It's vulnerable and so helpful. And I think even on that note, since you're also a fan of Brene Brown, one of the things that I found helpful reading her book on perfectionism is realizing that I don't have to show my work in progress to everyone, but cultivating a community of people who I can be vulnerable with. And that's really helpful because I know there are people I could talk about what I'm doing with who wouldn't necessarily agree and might judge me, but I don't have to show them my work in progress. Right. Since I am solo right now, creating my own teams or panels of moms I want to show the prototype to or designers I want to run the concept by has been really helpful for me. So... What can you share about what you're working on um, in 2019? Uh, One of the things I'm working on is being a better freelancer. I'm shifting from always working with the same company in a permanent freelance role to being uh, more of a true independent contractor and working with a variety of clients. So I think one of the lessons learned this year is to keep enough conversations going that you aren't falling through the cracks with more of a gap of time than you'd like between contracts, but also having the conversations that aren't always fun of, can I only work 32 hours a week? Or is it okay if I do five days, but leave at 4 p.m. every day? Trying to build in the flexibility I need. So definitely a lesson in pushing myself to make my schedule what I need it to be in an industry where that's oftentimes possible. For uh, the personal project I'm working on, which is an app for learning about nutrition for families in a, in a very simple but comprehensive way, always being ready. Because time that I want to spend working on my personal project in a week is so derailed by appointments or things that come up with the family that I have to handle that weren't expected. So constantly being in a state of being ready to get back on track with what I was working on and learning how to pause in a way where I can pick up easily has been challenging, but taught me a lot about not only resilience as a designer, but also how to have that ready attitude about other problems that come up too beyond designs. This is great. Thank you so much for everything you've shared. Any best practices or mantras that you have for life and work? Related to being a perfectionist, it's easy for me to get stuck in such a bad way in terms of wanting to figure something out so badly and having a really hard time putting down my pencil in a sense of walking away from a problem. But I think there's so much truth and you'll figure out the answer in the morning, not only in a literal sense of at night putting your pen down, but also in the sense of just creating space in some way when you are stuck, whether it's moving around or putting it down at night or talking to a friend about an issue. I find that that's such a good way to problem solve. And I feel like that also comes from this intensity of like solving it now, but giving yourself the space for the process to be a little bit more organic is always really helpful for me. But I think another thing is when you are working to respect your time and protect it. I think there are a lot of 
seemingly innocent ways that we get really derailed, whether it's G-chat or responding to emails as they pop up. So really turning your phone off or doing whatever you need to do to focus in those times that you're meant to be focusing. Because I think something that's easy for me to do is to think about my time in too optimistic of a manner with a family. So to think, oh, I'm sure I'll get that two hours back at the end of the day. I'll work from 10 to midnight. But I I find it really helpful to think, no, this is the time that I have and I'm focusing right now. So we don't forget, how can people find you? The best way to find me would be LinkedIn, just using my name, Amanda Huffingham. Final question, any words of wisdom for new graduates, as well as whatever comes to mind, whether it's about balancing work and family, finding your real passion within an industry. This might not necessarily be directly for new graduates, but overall, it's just really important to realize pursuing work that you care about. That's the thing that holds as a thread, if you will, throughout all of these things, money, prestige. And I think that's something that, if you're doing, can't be taken away from you. Thank you so much, Amanda. I look forward to keeping our conversation going. To our listeners, thank you so much for joining us on the topic of solo but not alone. You can find us at trueintent.com or at trueintentnyc.com.